guys, welcome to Cat Jam in the Car. Today we have our guest, Jess. Yeah. How, how does he pronounce the name again? Jesse Appel. Jesse Appel. Gosh, I'm so bad at this. Not a problem, not a problem. <laughs> yes, please introduce yourself. Sure, so my name is Jesse Appel. Um, uh, people might not also know me as ITC if they watch any of my stuff in China. I'm a American, but I lived in China for nine years doing stand-up comedy there, improv comedy there. I apprenticed to learn a traditional type of Chinese comedy called Xiangsheng, which you might be familiar with, even if nobody else here is. Yeah, Xiangsheng is kind of mm. like stand-up comedy, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. a two-person, like very vaudeville back and forth. There's a joker, there's a straight person. Mm -hmm. uh, they One of them's funny, one of them's crazy. They go back and forth and back and forth. There's also improv with the audience. Um, I founded uh, the first Western comedy club in Beijing, uh, and then the last three years, as the borders have been closed with China, I'm back here in the States where I've been doing still Chinese language comedy around uh, North America and Europe. Uh, anywhere there's uh, there's people to perform for to do uh, Mandarin language comedy, I'm there. So if you have friends who want to watch Chinese language, you can watch my YouTube or watch my website. Um, and, uh, yeah, now back, I'm new to LA and kind of new to seeing what the, uh, American comedy scene is like. So that's kind of my, my journey the last year or so is starting to figure out how things work over here. That's kind of interesting. Jess put me right on spot. It's like hmm. you talk about like, you know, how like doing the stand-up comedy in Mandarin, which is the things I'm about to learn as, hmm. a, Ch as a Chinese, you hmm. know, I think we're reversing. Yeah. Like, it's a reverse experience. Yeah. You but, are trying to do like a stand-up comedy in English. But right? I think it makes sense. I mean, it's funny. It's after all these years of doing comedy in uh, in my second language, it's I, I'm like trying to figure out how to do it in my first language. And honestly, in many ways, I think it's harder to do it in your first language because, yeah. like, you know, why, you're doing comedy in your second language. Why is that? Language. Is that just is, is that because you feel like you know the uh, sense of humor doesn't translate, uh, you know, in another language? I think it's less uh, a sense of humor. I think it's that when when you are a second language speaker, people are already a little bit interested. There's some sort of story here. Mm -hmm. You know, you can hear the accent. You can hear pe people are like, oh, I might get a story from this person that's different from everyone else. Right. Um, and also, I think, like, emotionally, I don't know about you, but I think it's easier emotionally to tell hard stories about yourself in a second language rather than your first. Oh. Uh, do you feel that in English versus Chinese, that you're maybe more open in your English than you are in your in your Chinese. You know, uh, maybe because I've lived in the states for so long, mm. I feel like you know I understand the culture better now. I mean, mm. like obviously, I still understand like Chinese language, but I feel I'm kind of so far away from the Chinese culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about modern culture, right? Yeah, China yeah, yeah. Has been, you probably know it better because China <laughs> has been changing a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right? Because I haven't been back to China for like 15 years. Oh, that's a long time. So yeah, so the culture is probably different, and then also sort of like um yeah it's not just the topics people talk about are different but how you approach the topics and how you approach the topics even at different times of your life you know approaching the same topic now i'm 32 mm -hmm. is different from when i started there at 22. oh so you so, started when you were 22 years yeah old. so i started right after college i moved there right after college i spent my whole adult life in china so the wow. um i uh i uh, apprenticed to a master teacher ding guangquan oh. uh, and learned how to do xiangsheng with master ding for seven years and then while I was doing the traditional comedy, I also started doing the Mandarin stand-up, and everything kind of blew up in the last, like, 10 years in China. We went from having our first open mics in 2012, where, like, eight people would show up in a bar, 
and <laughs> and they would have no idea what we were doing. Uh-huh. And like the stand-ups had no idea what they were doing. They would go on like rants for like 40 minutes and never mm-hmm. do the same joke twice. It was horrible. Um, so we went from that to like TV shows and, you know, knock off SNL, knock off Last Comic Standing, like, you know, those shows that I got to go on later in my career that did not exist at all when wow. when I started. So it was a lot of fun. That is so interesting. You got to tell us about like how the comedy scene in like in, in Beijing, it's not just in Beijing, mm-hmm. China, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I did sure just watch this film last night called Shanghai. Like I mm-hmm. feel like Oh my gosh! Uh, even just by watching some shows, mm. like you know, it's 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 a, like uh, American movies, right? Mm. I just feel like the culture-wise and the everything, it's just so different. Mm. You know, like how like how Americans perceive Chinese, how you as American live in China, mm. like how do you feel about that? Like, what's your experience? I mean, it was a lot of fun. I think the the first thing that I got from living there was just like in America, when you think of China, you think of oh, you, generally just people don't know China that well. They think mm-hmm. of like the Chinese government, and like China is much bigger than the Chinese government. You go there and like people are leading everyday lives, and they're making yeah. food, and they're going on trips, and there's like right. there's so much there that is not political. And in the states, when you talk about China, unless you're literally talking about like dumplings or stuff like that, right. everything with China is. Political. Political here, yeah, and, and so like going to a place where like you can live in the culture and and just like have friends and see what they're joking about mm-hmm. and like you know uh, be able to travel and to you know I, I got really into different Chinesey hobbies while I was there. I got really into tea, and now I run a tea mm. company here in the states because I just got to hang out with a bunch of tea farmers and tea shop owners. So like my big takeaway was that, you know, it's it's just so big. It's like it's like United States. Like you have rural areas, you have big cities, you have rich people, you have poor people, you have, you know, hyper-nationalistic politics people and then you have people who are like I'm just trying to figure out how to like learn to crochet, you know? Like, right. like there's like there's everybody there. And so um, I think like I had a lot of fun in Beijing and I also mm. spent, I lived eight years in Beijing and about half a year in Shanghai and I got to travel all over doing shows. And so, uh, just getting to see so much of it was, mm-hmm. was a great experience. Do you feel you're more Chinese than American now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I'm more Chinese than America, but I think I understand how to fit in, in China better than in America. Mm. because I left right after college. So I have no experience of like being an adult in this body looking like this Mm. and then going around and every time I meet somebody, I have to, you know, do I tell them I lived in Asia all those years, all my jobs, like my job doing comedy, my job doing tea, all of this has a lot to do with China. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of an information dump. Right. Um, Or if I say nothing, then it seems like I've hidden something. Right. Like if somebody meets me and they're like, how would you not tell me that, you know, you basically spent your whole life in Asia? Like it seems yeah. like I'm hiding something, which I'm not trying to hide. So but in China, where I look different, I, I have gotten used to the fact that everybody will treat me different because of the way I look. Everybody oh, so they will, treat you different. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, yeah I mean, look so, at me. <laughs> OK. In, in America, it's a multicultural country. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can look like you, you can be American. You could not be American. We don't know. But you're you, you know, but. People understand the idea of you being an American. Yeah, it's like every yeah. kinds of looks. Yeah, right? yeah. Americans not just white, not yeah. just certain yeah. looks. Yeah, American right? could be anything, and ultimately, really, the only definition mm-hmm. is: Do you have the American passport? Are you a citizen? If if you are, you know. But yeah. if you're, uh, but like we understand the idea of immigration here because we have immigrants. Mm-hmm. But like, if I called myself an immigrant in China, people wouldn't know what I meant. 
because they're like, what do you mean you immigrate? Like, you know, like, did you get, because I could have the official Chinese passport and no one would believe it. Like, like officials would not accept it because they would be so confused. There are no white Chinese people. So, <laughs> so like, um, so like, whereas we have Asian Americans, we don't have American Asians. Oh yeah. That is such yeah. an interesting concept, yeah. right? So like basically in, in China, they sort of like, there's no immigrants. So yeah. you can, you can work there and live there, but yeah. that means you can grant it citizenship. Yeah. Right? And, and also there are so few people that. Like out of a hundred people, if you had a hundred non-Chinese looking people on the street, mm. uh, you know, 90 of them would be tourists. Mm. 10 of them maybe would live long term in China, but maybe only one of them would have been there for more than, mm -hmm. you know, a year. Mm. So like when people met me on the street, like even when I was in my late 20s or whatever, they'd be like, oh, you should lose your show. Like, are you an exchange student? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm like 29. I run a comedy club here. But but that I learned that I couldn't expect society to see that in me. Mm. But I always expected when I came back to America because I grew up in America as a white dude. I'm Jewish, but I, you know, we pass mm. for white. So the um, <laughs> the, um, you know, people would look at me and they're like, oh, you're just like from here. Right. And now my life experience is like, no, I'm not from here, really. Mm. Like, you know, I grew up in Boston, but like I lived my whole life in Asia. Mm. And like, you know, this has been the challenge with a lot of my comedy is like if I if I talk about this, there's probably lots of great stuff, but I need to figure out a way into it that the Asian American audiences and the non-Asian American audiences in America will get. Mm. Um, and so that's that's kind of been the 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 the, uh, the, the challenge with the English language stand-up. <laughs> so I'm so interested in like your comedy career in Beijing. So like, do you do that as a full time? Yeah. So my first job out of college, I had a Fulbright fellowship to research Chinese comedy. So I got a re mm -hmm. basically um, American scholars go to China, Chinese scholars go to America. Mm -hmm. They do like a exchange. Okay. And um, it's run by like the State Department of both countries. Wow. So it's like the official government exchange. Okay. And uh, to do that, you have to tell people what you want to research. And if they mm -hmm. let you do it, you get a year of like free money just to research it. Wow. And so I said, I want to research Xiangsheng by apprenticing to Master Ding, the traditional mm -hmm. Chinese comedy. Uh -huh. And um, so my first uh, my first job for a year was doing mm -hmm. Chinese comedy as a researcher, which was great because it didn't matter whether it was funny or not. I still got paid. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very important. Yeah, it was, pay, it, was right? not a, it was not a lot of money, but I did get paid whether yeah. I could bomb. And it was actually a good mentality because if I bombed a joke, I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting research topic. Like, why did that joke fail? Like, I was pretty yeah. sure it would be funny. Um, and so that was actually a pretty healthy mindset mm -hmm. as opposed to like now when I bomb a joke, I'm like, I suck. I'm like, my life sucks. Everything sucks, <laughs> you know? Um, and, um, so that was my first year. And then after that, I just liked it so much that I decided even without the grant funding, I should give it a shot. I mm -hmm. should try to do comedy in China as a career. And so mm -hmm. in the, in the beginning I did a lot more. You know, I did a lot more uh, like, you know, corporate shows, corporate party. Mm -hmm. uh, I taught improv comedy in Chinese, you know, uh, I did, like whatever you could do to make some money. Mm -hmm. um, and then later, as things got better, I opened the comedy club. I, you know, we did like corporate trainings for companies. Uh, I wrote and acted on TV shows. And um, it, and that was also partially was because I was getting better, but partially because the whole comedy scene is just like booming in China. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's uh. booming. Like, you know, 100,000, 10,000 time growth in the last, you know, whatever, couple of wow. years. It's crazy. 
So like yeah. the the whole comedy scene in Beijing is、mm. like more like it, it's still comedy in Mandarin, right?、Mm. Are there many like American comedian go your tour as well? So it, there were. So in the early 2010s, we did get like ho- people coming over. We had like you know Ari Shafer, Neil Brennan, Ronnie、mm. Chang. We had like a bunch of people coming over. I saw some of them, although not as many, because I was doing the Chinese show. So they would do English comedy for the expats living in China,、mm-hmm. and,、um, and but and there was also a, a local like scene of Chinese of English language comedians、mm-hmm. in Beijing and Shanghai. Now after the pandemic, I'd say sixty seventy percent of those people are gone now, though, and they won't be coming back. So it's like it's it's kind of sad because we had this like nice beautiful little comedy scene of English comedians、yeah. and it was it was all these really interesting people that moved、right. from all around the world you know Europeans Americans South Americans you know we had people from Africa and like the, everybody would meet in Beijing and tell jokes about、wow. wherever they were from and what China was like to them being from there、uh-huh. and it was so fun and and now it's it's just kind of sad that it all got killed. That、so. <laughs> is so interesting, like the communist in Beijing,、mm. right? Because most people are thinking, "Oh my gosh, China is like a communist country."、Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were like, you were not expected. Like it's actually way more open than most people thought. It's 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 both open and closed. So it's like you know the. If you want to do like a a small live show with、mm-hmm. a couple friends of yours in an underground bar in Beijing, like you can do anything you want.、Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get an English language show、uh, onto Chinese TV, you can't do that because they just literally have laws that say the the shows have to be at least eighty percent Chinese unless they're on the English language TV channel. And there's only one English language TV channel is run by the government. So like you just literally, it's like not a creative question or whether the audience would like it. Like legally. I can't go and pitch to the Chinese equivalents of Netflix、huh. or whatever, and just be like, "We should have a show where foreigners are on there." It's like、uh-huh. legally they can't do it.、Wow. So like it, it's it's been really, it's been a challenge. Like challenge is the wrong word. It's been interesting moving back here to the states where everybody's always fighting for representation, and I have so much empathy for the people who have not been able to get into the system,、mm-hmm. um, because I went through that. Like you know, like forget doing a show in my language, even if it's in Chinese. Every TV show in China, they have two slots for non-mainland people,、mm-hmm. who are almost always used on Taiwanese or Hong Kongers,、mm-hmm. because they have a lot of lighting people, camera people. Like you know, there's a sophisticated media place in both of those places. So、okay. every TV show I was on, even if I'm only on for one episode, they have to use up one of their their mingle, their like their slots. Okay. And so, like, imagine if we're like, yeah, you could have two Asian people in a TV show, wow. Like, like, be, or two non-American citizens in a TV show. Like, Hollywood would stop immediately. Yeah. Like, there's no way you and 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 for what? There's no artistic value to that.、Mm. So, on some hands, it's really open because like it's new, it's exciting. People are very eager to go watch comedy.、Mm-hmm. They're very stressed in their ordinary lives, and there's not as many、mm-hmm. creative outlets maybe as there、mm-hmm. are here in the states. But on the other hand, it's like. But there's literally two foreigners allowed onto any given TV show if they do, unless they get special dispensation, and it's like,、mm. it's not, it, it's like not open at all in that sense. So, so basically, if you want to get it, get on those national TVs, it's、mm. very regulated. But if you want to do something like at a bar, those yeah, places it, are I, pretty well. As long open, as you、right? stay small and、uh-huh. are unable to make a living off of it, you can do anything. The challenge is once you want to get big and you want to have big partnerships, you want to get on Tencent Video or you want to get on,、mm-hmm. you know, for you know, get on a big platform.、Uh, then 
it's not just for foreigners. Everything gets harder for the Chinese people, too. So mm -hmm. the, the closer you get to the top, the more carefully everything is looked at. Mm-hmm. So how about a cancel culture thing there? It's such yeah. a big deal here in yeah. space. This is, I, 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 you know, I have a very different opinion on this maybe than some other yeah. people, but like the whole cancel culture thing here is crazy because people are, people are complaining they're being censored. And the number one rule of actually being in a system that censors mm -hmm. you is you can't complain about being censored. Mm -hmm. So if you complain that you're being canceled, you're not being canceled. The fact you have a the totally. fact you have a platform to tell people you got canceled means you are not being canceled. What is happening is there's some weird internet vigilante justice going on where people have decided that for whatever reason we're going to socially shun some people. Mm -hmm. um, that is happening. Uh, right. But like, but you're not getting canceled because like, if you get canceled in China, you go on a blacklist, you are canceled. So you can you yeah. talk about it, you got to cancel. Yeah. It, right? So like, so this is the thing is why, and mm. and this is why ultimately, like, uh, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm far more worried about being quote unquote canceled in China than I am here, mm. because who the hell knows what's going to go on? But that doesn't mean that it's uh. That doesn't mean that, like, you know, I think that the cancel culture here is more just a statement that people used to be fine with being entertained by anyone. Mm. And now they want to be entertained by people that also believe what they believe about certain issues. It's right. like it's like a political movement. I mean, again, it's it's. Uh, it's 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 sort of strange. Like if this were happening in China, it would be like a weird political communist blah 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 thing. Mm -hmm. But it's happening in America, so people are they look at it very differently. And so I think that the um, like I think that if you the people who are like truly worried about getting canceled in this country, mm -hmm. um, first of all, most people are not important enough to get canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of the people I see that are whining about canceling, I'm like, you have 300 fans on YouTube, like, <laughs> yeah, you, oh, you got you went you from have... 30 views to 21. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's a that's yeah. a whatever a 27 percent right. drop. I don't know. That like that's a big thing. Also, people ask me like, "Are you worried about getting canceled in China?" I'm like, "I'm not important enough to get canceled in China." Like, mm. you know, like the um, like even even having the following that I have over there, um, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I might get a video blocked, but they're not gonna be like stopping me at the border or throwing me into sort of secret jail. Yeah, you know? it's like you have to be important enough to yeah. get canceled there, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and by the way, if I ever wind up in a secret jail. <laughs> Re-air this episode, and I need out. So please, everybody, help me, support whatever GoFundMe we've inserted now in the future, if that ever happens. But I don't think uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah what do you think about the cancel culture? You, I mean, is I this... I mean, like, yeah, like, nowadays, there are lots of comedians here, like, complaining about it. They cannot write jokes or phrases. Like I said, oh, they cannot write too many political jokes or race jokes, because, you know, the race issue is mm. pretty... Raising the shoes at huge. I yeah. mean, I literally I'm trying to think of like what jokes I've heard in America over the last year that didn't have to do about race, and there's like six of them. Like it's like it's all about every, race. Every everyone is like a community that even cannot talk about politics. We mm. cannot talk about religion. We cannot talk about race. What else? Well, you can, can we talk, talk about. Well, you can talk about any of these things. Yeah. What I think is that like. The way I look at it is this, because I, I lived in China. Mm -hmm. I had to accept there was a reality that there were certain things the audience would feel comfortable with me saying as a white guy, and there were certain things that they wouldn't. Right. And the, and that's reality. Like, artistically, could I say whatever I wanted? Sure. Um, 
can I expect to make a living off of an art form that involves people paying tickets to hear you talk and then saying things they don't like to hear? Mm -hmm. The universe does not owe us that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to be an artist, be a pure artist, but don't also say, and now why aren't people paying money to hear me talk? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so people can still say whatever they want from a like legal and artistic perspective, I think. But if they expect that the audience is going to support them, then I think they need to be a little bit more realistic about what the audience is paying to hear. Mm -hmm. And, and if the, and if you're not next to the audience, well, maybe you shouldn't be in LA, you know, the people, there's a very specific type of audience person that comes to LA, yeah. you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a, uh, you know, I, I think that people getting dragged for having bad takes um, is not necessarily a bad thing. If like if people are like, you know, attacking other people or using comedy as a weapon to put other people down and then they wind up like not being able to make a living like, oh, no, like that's a horrible outcome. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so I think it's all, you know, have you felt this has been an issue for you? I mean, honestly, for me, I never felt, I, I heard of some other comedian complained about that, mm. you know, being canceled. I also, like you mentioned about LA is very different communism compared to other places. Yeah. So if you go to like other states, like more conservative states, yeah. you have to be more careful. I think LA, generally speaking, it's very diverse mm. and we have more of freedom to say whatever I want. But there is one issues, like say like you lived in China for a while here, mm. back to the States for a couple of years. Mm. See, I feel like there are certain issues like, you know, we are a little bit more sensitive here in states, such oh, yeah. as eating disorder. Yeah, it's so a female comics. One time I did it, this yeah. eating disorder jokes. Oh, yeah, and I got so much backlash mm. because I think because here states like you know, um, like you know, you know, the eating disorder thing. I, I like it's such a big issue. We have different like, issues, and that's the thing is like in China, politics is sensitive. Here, race is sensitive, and the body image and, and identity is sensitive. Yeah. So like how you look so, like here, like you yeah. see, like you know, like I heard it like in China, you can just see you can't like fat shame people. You oh, yeah. say, you look fat. You oh, look I, I could do all sorts of stuff. Like yeah, there but was... here you you just like no, nowadays yeah. like oh, you cannot see this girl is fat. You can see it's curvy. But it's like come on. <laughs> yeah. you, I, yeah. I don't want to say that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for you you're like, you know, there's yeah. there's kind of two jokes for you there. One is like yeah. why is it curvy? And then the other question is, do I have to say curvy now? Just because like, do I have to do this? And again, part of this is, uh, it's a decision you make as a comedian. If you're fine with getting a little backlash. And I think the thing is mm -hmm. as a comedian, if you really want to make people laugh, ultimately you do have to listen to some degree to the audience and say, if I've tried it two, three, four different ways, mm -hmm. and every time I do it, they get upset when I say fat. Uh, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this is not the audience I can do this joke for, or maybe it's just too much live and you can do like an internet video about it, but it's not mm -hmm. going to work live. So I think that, um, I think that the, 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 the sensitivity is, I, I think more just increased by the fact that now with the internet, you know, think 10 years ago, if you want to see a comedy show, you have to go to the comedy club because like there wasn't another way for you to know where the comedians were. But now, all the stuff we watch, it's given to us only the stuff we like to see or love to hate. Mm -hmm. We don't yeah. see anything that we don't like or dislike, mm -hmm. and there's nothing in the middle. So people have been watching comedy that they socially agree with mm -hmm. over and over and over. It's the only thing that gets on their feed is what they agree with, what they agree with, what they agree with, comedy they agree with, comedy they agree with, comedy they agree with, comedy they agree with. And then they see... 
they go live right and there's no algorithm live you have eight comedians up and one of them's going to say something you don't like and people just have not physically dealt with that for years mm -hmm. because the algorithms have been so successful in only showing us stuff we love or hate mm. and so i think a lot of this increased sensitivity I don't think it's that the people are more sensitive, if that makes any sense, but we've been trained to be more sensitive because after just hearing what we agree with so much and only hearing the comedy we agree with and never having to run into like, you know, it used to be before, like maybe you had to listen to like a whole comedy special to, mm -hmm. and like, you know, there'd be yeah. 60 minutes and you'd agree with 40 and you'd disagree with 20. Now you only see the 60 second clip from the 40 that you agreed with. So you might have this whole idea of a comedian even that you think that's a great comedian. I agree with what they say. But if you actually watch their whole special, maybe you don't, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, just like a, some clips. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. You, you mentioned about like a 60 seconds. Do you think a social media has changed mm. a lot for comedians as well? Because, oh, yeah. yeah, right. Like you mentioned, like back then you had to watch the whole special one yeah. hour. Nowadays, like even for me, I like we just go on TikTok and watch like yeah. just watch the punchline. Yeah. Like the comedian post their punchline there. Like yeah. oh, you can sw swipe, yeah. swipe, watch. Even this, it's like who's yeah. actually watched uh, 24 minutes and 54 seconds? As People's attention <laughs> yeah. span so short these days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think part of the is the attention span is short, and part of it is just like you know the. Um, you know, media, and, and you see this very clearly living in Hollywood, media was always about making money. The way it used to be that you had to make people physically buy a ticket and go to a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Now you don't need to do that. How do you make money if you're a tech company? Mm -hmm. More eyeballs, more views, more people on the channel, different, new, 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 new. And so the new formats of comedy are not any better mm -hmm. or maybe any worse for comedy, but they definitely make the tech companies more money. Okay. So, so if the, if, um, I think the question then is to say, if this is reality and it's, uh, you know, and it appears to be reality, right. <laughs> then, um, what, uh, you know, what is good about this and what can you lean into? And I think one of the things that's good is that if you're funny now and you just put a video up on the internet, uh, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you look like the type of comedian that would headline. It doesn't matter anything. If people really think it's funny, they'll laugh at it. They'll like it. They'll they'll share it. They'll follow you. Mm -hmm. And then when you have your own following, you don't need to worry about the booker at this club or that club liking you because you built your own audience and you bring them with you. And then next year, if you want to do funny musical and you think your audience will roll with it, then you do funny musical and you get to do what you want. So. That's been the only freedom I knew in China. That was the only freedom I was ever going to have. Okay. Because there's there's no way there was, again, this is an industry where there's not a single American in any media company of any importance in China. Mm -hmm. Legally, they can't work at the state media. Mm -hmm. And all the tech companies in China, there's not like Americans in charge of who they're picking. So yeah. I knew that I would be in a situation where I was always going to be fighting uphill uh, to have people understand my comedy style in China. So why not go on the internet? Why not let the audience just follow me? And yeah, so, yeah. and so that was, and so that's been kind of the best way of getting in touch with the audience is just making good stuff and putting it up on the internet, and then you know having having them follow me. And hopefully, when the borders reopen, eventually I'll be able to go back and do. So shows. you do want to go back? I'm definitely going to go back for shows and yeah. for trips. I don't think I'm going to be moving back there full time, but I don't know yet. Uh -huh. Really, I, the big problem is I don't have a girlfriend, so I need to find a girlfriend. <laughs> Because I need somebody to tell me what I can't do. Because um, right now there's too many options and, and that's kind of a problem in and of itself. Because when I go on dates and they're like, oh, it kind of sounds like you're half 
you have one foot in Asia still. And I'm like, I kind of do. I kind of don't. <laughs> Women don't like hearing that you're moving to Asia as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's uh, that's what that's oh, what really? I've learned. Yeah, American girls don't like to go on a date, and then and then you ask, you say, "Oh, so where do you live?" And you say, "Well, L.A. now, but I'm moving to Asia as soon as possible." Mm. And then that date is over. So, so they they're not <laughs> ready to move to Asia with you. Well, not on the first date. You yeah, know. they're like, yeah, they want yeah. to be settled here, right? I think a lot of people, yeah, and so that's kind of part of the challenge is like, you know, I'm new to L.A. and so, and to some degree, I'm you know settled, and to some degree, I'm not. So yeah, you're still but, trying to figure it out.、So、right? Trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know? So, like, speaking of back to LA doing the comedy, do you find that what's the most、uh, challenging, difficult thing for you here,、mm. like in、uh, in America, right? Because you you mentioned about you build build up your own audience、yeah. in China, right? Because seems honestly, I feel like here in the comedy scene here in LA, it's the same nowadays. Back in you mentioned about yeah, old yeah. times, you get approved by one. Booker,、yeah. if they like you, you get booked by club. Nowadays,、yeah. you build, you you can be self-made.、Yeah. You build、yeah. up your own audience. You should be self-made. Yeah, I think that's one good thing about social media. I、oh, do、yeah. like that because if you're、thing. funny, you put out internet. People think you're funny, then、yep. you're funny. You don't、yep. have to go kiss ass with some exactly、uh, like no one、uh, told you where you could or couldn't park this car and record、yeah. this podcast. Exactly, you can do it. Whatever, you did it yourself,、right? and if、yeah. they ticket you and tow you, whatever, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's self-made. I think self-made. Then nowadays, I. That, like comedian these days, we are more like entrepreneur, right? You, you well, I think you、yeah. always had to be. I mean, the truth、yeah. is, is like, and I think that you know, I didn't have any family in arts and performing,、mm-hmm. and so as somebody who grew up just watching the TV and watching Comedy Central or whatever,、mm-hmm. I think I had this idea that it was like, oh, these people are the best. And they're not the best. They're they're good, but they're the people who are willing to go through a formal system and were approved by the formal system.、Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're the best comedians. It means that they're the ones that are on the formal system, and the size of the informal system. Internet, all that sort of stuff. Now、mm-hmm. is becoming the formal system, but the the size of that informal system is just so massive now that really now there's just so many more options out there, and、um, you know I've had.、Uh, You know, I've had a lot of people that have, you know, that have seen me on the Chinese TV, but I've also had a lot of people that、mm. just like saw me on TikTok、yeah. or the Chinese versions of these things, and then they're just as excited to meet somebody who is really funny on the internet as they were to meet somebody who's really funny on the TV. Like it's it's the same thing to the audience. Yeah, but I do feel like nowadays you, like you mentioned, about building build up your own audience. I、mm. mean, there are still two type of comedian. One type is the one already got approved by the system.、Mm. They they already got validated.、Mm. And then even today, still people、uh, were asking me, "Hey, Kelly, you gotta come to hang out at a comedy store." It's a kind of old way. It's,、mm-hmm. it's like、yeah. I think as a, another generation we are today, it was like I don't enjoy go there,、mm. spend hours and hours drinking、mm. and、uh, waste my time. But the thing、mm. is, that's kind of the way you know it、that's、was. Well, that's、it、you、was. asked. What's the hardest part for me? And and the hardest part has been the networking. Like in China, I knew professionals. Like、mm. I was on you know the knockoff version of Saturday Night Live. I know the writers. I know the actors. If I want to have funny people in my comedy thing, I have people I've worked with for years before any of us were big. Before any of us could make any money, we were all in it together. And and that's the relationships that like actually build your career. And in America, I just realized like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, like if I want that connection, I need to start literally from zero. And it's not because oh the system's unfair. It's like, you, in order to have that connection, you need to fight. You need to struggle with people, and you need to all struggle together. 
And so unless I want to struggle another 10 years in America, it's not really clear how I do it through the... It's only suggest, I think it's when you mention about it, like that's how you build your relationship in Beijing. You know the writer, Mm. you guys all start together. It's pretty much the same here as well. It feels the same. So like even committing, we all support each other as well. You start at the same level or maybe some doing better. That's why I'm in this car because I met you at a show and you were nice and we talked about stuff and I was like, you know, this person is like, you know, you want me to show up and be in a a car in a parking lot? I thought we would be driving, but we were but we can be in a parking lot that's fine <laughs> and the uh yeah exactly you know, that's, so, that's why i'm here so it's mm-hmm. always like this like in comedy scene here you know like mm. it's always supporting each other like even for like lots of community we're producing Supportive shows is good yeah we're producing shows like it's, it's it, that's the uh called the, like hard manipulation it's, yeah people criticize that it, it is like that it's like a, you help me i help well you, there's right? i think there's a so, difference between helping each other and nepotism the the uh, I think that that network that network effect is a little bit tricky because for people outside a circle they're like how do I ever break in if they only give jobs to their friends? Um, but then I mean for, it's not know, just but, give jobs to your friends yeah. as well. You gotta be you gotta be really good. Of course yeah. you're good, but the thing yeah. is that in Hollywood there's see there are ten thousand people are good for that job. Yeah. But of course I'm gonna give it to my friends who you gave me opportunity before. I'm gonna return yeah. the, the favor back. It's like it's pretty much like yeah. this. Even for the yeah. comedy scene in LA, we talk I talk about with lots of comedians always like okay you put me in my show I put you in your show I mean it's not just a treat it's mm. like you know you know each other I because you've done my show I know you've done a bomb mm. and then now okay I'm producing a show I'm gonna put you in there mm. so it's, it's it's it is like that and mm. also you grow together and you know you know each other so well and mm. then and like you know, those comedians we we put each other in the show. It make, makes sense as well. We know we know your sets. We know you're not a bomb. We know yeah. you're reliable. Yeah. We know you're not a flaky. I think one of the you know. things, one of the biggest so. things I learned from apprenticing to my my master teacher in Beijing, Master right. Ding. He was a professional comedian in China for fifty years. He did comedy throughout crazy situations. He did comedy in the Cultural Revolution. He performed with his wow. master for Mao. In the in the um, in Zhongnanhai in in Beijing, right? Uh, and he also was a comedian in China during the, the the opening period and the reform and all that sort of stuff. And so this guy knew everything about being a professional. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we learned wasn't comedy; it was like how to be a professional comedian. Number one rule: like you show up for the show. <laughs> like yeah. it sounds really simple, but people blow it. If you say you're going to be there, you 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 be, you get there. And so that's why sometimes I'm a little bit cagey on whether I can do the show or not. I'm not going to tell you yes until I know I can be there because I say, yes, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that means if that means, you know, you know, taking a last minute plane flight because something went crazy. If that mm-hmm. means renting a car and driving eight hours, if that means whatever it is, you show up because the moment as a performer, you don't show up. It doesn't matter how funny you are. You could be unbelievably funny, but if you only show up for half of the shows, you're useless to the booker. Yeah, <laughs> you're 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 useless as an entertainer who's trying to like make money off of selling tickets and promising that the people will be here if you're not there. Yeah, because so. they cannot hold you accountable, right? Yeah, you know they cannot just keep guessing. That's why, like, I guess, like the whole thing in comedy scene, like mm. friends put each other because of course they know you're. They know you're gonna show up. It's really, I mean, it yeah. sounds like it sounds like that's overly simplified, but what I found is like that's the the core of everything. Is like. You know, you have a new person. They they literally could just like not show up. 
like, yeah, because <laughs> you like, know this person at all. Because here in LA, so many people move to LA trying to become actors, mm-hmm. and like you know, comedian. So as you you yeah, probably yeah. don't know, like lots of crazy people as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think you know. <laughs> I like like so many people move here to be actors or comedians. You know a lot of crazy people. Like you're like I'm like I'm like oh, are so, those all crazy. So people? you haven't you have maybe you <laughs> they're haven't all had, crazy. You haven't had that that sensitive, but it is. There are probably a lot of those people. Yeah, I'm sure. Of, like flaky, uh, yeah. and you know, lots of people got into all kinds of like yeah. issues. Like so, like I mean, I, I don't mean yeah. most people doing like drinking and drug drug yeah, yeah. stuff. But like you know, it's it very important. Yeah, it, it's it's very important for people to know you you are talented and mm-hmm. you are also reliable. You yeah, are, you are responsible. You, I would rather you know, book a. I would rather book a show that had like lots of people who are six or seven funny, but they were really good people to hang out with. They 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 were easy to work with we all did a great show together mm-hmm. rather than book a show of like a bunch of people who are like seven eight or nine funny but they don't show up all the time and they're really picky about stuff mm-hmm. and they like and like you know you you're at this place a new venue and like yeah the sound isn't perfect but like again you're you know i don't have the money to pay to revamp the entire sound system we know that it's not perfect, but it's good enough, and you gotta fight through that, man. Because I can't help you right now with the sound. You know, yeah. like you like it, it's if you have people who are too picky or perfectionistic or or just, just don't like show complain. up, complain you know, it's all not, the time. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's just bad energy, and that's actually yeah. the biggest challenge for me with stand up everywhere is that stand up because I did stand up and I did improv and I did sketch and mm-hmm. I did xiang sheng and and all this different stuff and stand up particularly. It attracts a type of person who's always in their own head. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people are not fun to hang around with. Yeah, very losses. Some of them are. Yeah, some, some of them are. But, but I think the new generation is a bit different now because I think, you know, it's it's very different because now you have so many ways to be creative. Like yes. I mentioned about it. Like, you know, people always like, I, I can't imagine like old times you mm. were forced to go hang out at a comedy club for hours. It's yeah. very draining. But nowadays, okay, I, if I don't want to go hang out there, I, I want to spend time creating my own content. Yeah, let's it's, do it's this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's do this. This yeah. is fun. And, so, and that's... And that's that's why I actually like, like, as much as everybody now, they all, there's like, it, it seems like if you do podcasting in America, you then have to have your second sentence be, I know another podcast. Like, I think that's a bad, bad culture. Like, the best part about podcasting is that people enjoy spending time with each other. Mm-hmm. And everybody's very open. As you say, you go on my podcast, I'll go on your podcast. Yeah. We're all helping each other out. And and that energy is is healthy. And I feel like a lot of times because comedy, you need a deal in your unhealthy emotions also that mm-hmm. people get this mistake that they're like, oh, well, I just want to live in my unhealthy emotions all the time and then I'll write more jokes. <laughs> and you might write more jokes that way, but you're going to hate your fucking life. And so that's been always my challenge is like, you know, I split my time in doing some stand up, but I also did improv. All the improv people are good energy. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know, they might not be great at improv, some of them, and some of them might be completely unrealistic about other parts mm-hmm. of their lives, but it's always good energy. They're not in their head backstage, not talking to anybody, complaining about the sound system being a little weird <laughs> or like one light is funny um, or not getting booked or whatever. Like mm-hmm. the improv people are just like, if you're not going to book us, we'll rent a place and we'll do it on the street we don't care like you know so that that environment i felt was healthy and um and i think also before for the stand-ups if if you were a stand-up in whatever 1980 or 1990 and you're like oh i just can't that one booker just won't book me they might be right that that might be the thing that's holding them back nowadays with the internet if you don't make your own something 
you are the problem. Like, yeah. you know, like you are the last thing I want to hear is about, oh, complaining. okay. Okay. Yeah. So the booker won't book you. What else are you doing? Well, I'm mostly complaining about the booker. Okay. Well, <laughs> there yeah, we go. You can, you, can, you can just prove them that you are funny, right? You can use different outlets, like yeah. put on social media. Like, I'm sure like those nowadays, even the comedy clubs, they would they go on like Instagram to check yeah. your stuff. I actually you think know? the comedy clubs yeah. are going to be in a lot of trouble in the next couple of years because mm -hmm. if they, if the reason why people fight for 10 years to get onto the stage of one of these clubs is to get noticed mm -hmm. and the people who are doing the noticing just go straight to the internet, then I think the comedy clubs will still be there for people who really want to do stand-up. Mm -hmm. but for nobody else. So all these other people who are kind of a stand-up, but also kind of an actor, but also kind of a this and kind yeah, of that. Yeah, kind of content creator like, and yeah, everything. Like, yeah. They're just going to find that the internet yeah. is just a far better place to get noticed. Mm -hmm. And and if you fail at getting noticed on the internet uh, by the official system, but you succeed at getting noticed by the audience, mm -hmm. you're actually in a better place than if you succeeded at getting noticed in the system, but then don't have your own audience. So let's say tomorrow Comedy Central books you to be on a special and you get to do all your stand-up on the Comedy Central special. But you still don't have an audience online. So mm -hmm. unless they want to put you on a second episode, you're going to be in the exact same place you are right before you gave them all of your comedy. Mm -hmm. And so I've been on TV in China and I did a lot of shows. I did a lot of comedy shows that mm -hmm. I worked really hard on and I realized like, oh, unless you combine this with mm -hmm. the internet, you're still at the mercy of the TV station to call you again. And in China, you don't get paid. You don't get paid for like anything. So maybe in America, you get paid a lot by Comedy Central. I don't know what they would pay or what they wouldn't pay. My guess is it wouldn't be crazy, life-changing mm. money. Yeah. But like, um, and at least here you might get some residuals or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, and they mostly get it like a brand deal, or sponsorship, or something. Yeah. So like, but that's the thing is like, out, yeah. if yeah, if you have a great comedy bit about you know your hair curler, I'm just making up a product. But like, if you do a great comedy bit about that, or I'll give a real example from my actual life. I did a joke on the Chinese version of Last Comic Standing about boiled water mm -hmm. because in China, everybody drinks boiled water. It's like the healthiest thing you could drink is just boiled water. <laughs> so <laughs> this is just, true, right? Just, yeah, yeah, just hot water. Hot water. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. I had a joke where it was like, you know, like, like you know, like, it'd be like, like, hot water is like a big thing. Like, you guys should be exporting this stuff. So you like ship it to America. It's like hot, you know, like you know, real Chinese hot water. Just add heat. <laughs> like what? Like like yeah. like anyway. So I did this boiled water joke, a hot water joke, and then it turns out that Kung Shufu, which is like this big drinks company, mm -hmm. that is like kind of the equivalent of like Nestle or Lipton or something like that. They actually were coming out with a real product in China that was boiled water cooled <laughs> down and put into a bottle so that people could drink boiled water. But they couldn't keep it hot, so it was just going to be room temperature wow. boiled water. And they actually asked me to be on one of their ad campaigns. That is Because crazy. I was on the TV telling this joke. And so, like, again, like, stuff like that can happen. But, like, that's pretty random. Mm -hmm. You can't expect your life is going to bring stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's always better to have the audience online, I think. And then, obviously, it doesn't mean you need to avoid the existing system. But, like, the, um, but, like, I think that as a as a comedian now at least i felt 
whatever freedom I have as a comedian comes from being able to reach my audience directly. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? exactly. And then that's kind of also number one thing these days. You could get a special, but if you don't have fan base, you cannot like bring people come to your show. Yeah. Like even like I talked to other comedian about this as well because it's mm-hmm. like everyone's actually comedian. They're doing Brenner's show. See, so like the difference between Kevin Hardy, he can bring thirty thousand dollars or thirty yeah. thousand people come to everybody's watch doing show. it. Yeah, because it's all about like you know like your, your fan base. You can you build up build up your audience. See, right like mm. you know uh, it's uh, it is to like you say you can direct it being a, on social media you can direct and talk to your audience yeah. your fan base and, and, uh, and also you can get really quick reactions I mean that was the best the best part about stand-up is that yeah. you tell a joke and if it's funny they laugh and if it's not funny they don't laugh and now you know you don't have to spend eight months thinking about stuff I have friends who are like film directors I'm like yeah. how do you spend eight months focused on the same project when you don't know if the basic idea is gonna work right. and so for comedy even though uh, even though it's not quite the same thing, but you know, posting on the internet and getting some comments and some reactions, like that's as close as you can get to doing like stage comedy as you can get on the internet. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of stuff you can learn from that, and um, and uh, I think also people need to be less worried about like reusing content in different places. If I have an internet joke that's funny and people really liked it in the video, mm-hmm. there's probably a version of that I can do in stand-up. Mm-hmm. Right? And then if I have a funny stand-up joke, but like the stand-up video itself is not going viral, but I think the joke is funny, maybe I'll turn that into a sketch. Yeah. You know, like, totally. it's, you know, like I... it's like this, it's funny. Like it comes back to the basic idea of like, what is a comedian? A comedian is someone who makes people laugh. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of the fact that people have gotten so specific about their comedy, it used to be because you had to be specific. If you weren't Mm -hmm. a stand-up comedian, you couldn't just be a general comedian, Mm -hmm. right? But now you can just be a general comedian. You're better at doing sketch comedy. Shoot some sketches. Like, you know, don't force yourself into the stand-up mold Mm -hmm. unless you really want to do stand-up. Yeah. And it's so funny you mentioned about that as well, because I think like as nowadays, like comedians are also some like younger generation that are also like creating their own skits, right? Mm, like yeah. skits comedy. Like you said, you can turn your jokes into skits comedy. Yeah, you may not translate very well in stand up, but you can make that funnier yeah. in the skits. Yeah. You know, I was doing that a lot as well. Yeah. Also, I can help you. Sometimes you can figure out the way while you're making the skits. You're like, oh, maybe I can rewrite this joke in different ways. And yeah. then also like you post on, on online, people will comment. Right? Yeah. Of course, there are lots of hate comments as well. Like even well, for me, I got a hate comments because like, I did do lots yeah. of self-deprecating jokes about Chinese, and people mm. say, "Why you even hate your own people? You're Chinese as That's well." Funny. I'm like, dude, comedy is based on stereotype, right? Mm. Like people will say something like, "So you're making fun of your own people." Mm. I was like, what? "Well, I think it makes sense. It, it's yeah. like if you feel like it's okay, then like you know, it's it's okay for you." And again, if they, this is always a thing for a lot of those hater comments. It's like if you think this is not the type of comedy that you like, please go and write your own do it like but i will i will watch your video and i'll see whether you can do it better and most of the time Mm -hmm. people are upset with it's not just comedy but art or movies or they should have cast Mm -hmm. uh you know this person or that person oh please start a casting directing company cast the right people it's not easy like a lot of times the reason it looks like that is not because people made deep artistic choices it's like i have 35 minutes to write this sketch you know, whatever. I only get that mm-hmm. other actor for like half an hour. We wrote a thing and it's not working. Now we have to come up with an ad lib line. 
and like you know and and none of us are being paid for this so <laughs> like so you know if you don't if it's not your perfect type of comedy fine it's not a problem yeah, for you to not like it that Go. is good response there yeah totally like one time i just like write, write it back it's like a, uh, maybe you're just sitting in your mom's basement and have nothing to do being mm. a troll right no we're sitting in a porsche with nothing to do people there's <laughs> yeah, a difference yeah exactly. there's a difference new generation is like <laughs> have nothing to do right but i think it, the new generation also is um and this is just, I mean, this is just a total speculation. It's my opinion on this. I don't know if it's backed up by the numbers, but it feels this way. Um, when I came back to America, I just realized how much of this country is a giant captured market. Like, it's like the credit card company people run their, their thing and they control it. And then in order to have any access to that type of industry, you have to start a crypto company mm -hmm. because crypto is the wild west. It's open. Mm -hmm. So people can start crypto. People are, they can't get into Hollywood. So they start social media. Mm -hmm. They, everything is blocked off. You know, the, and here we have actual unions, which are good for the people in the unions and bad for the people not in the unions. Like mm -hmm. if you're not in the union, you can't write. And so the, the, the more people that are kept out of a system, eventually they just go, mm -hmm well, I don't care about the things that that system says are important anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when you realize how difficult it is and how much you need to sacrifice of your art and your personality to fit into the existing entertainment system, mm -hmm. people are more willing to just say, like, I'm going to shoot a show the way I want to do it, and I'm okay if it fails because I know what success looks like, and success is going to look like me giving up too much of myself for, for too little reason because the market's captured and so the areas where there's like a lot of really interesting artistic growth mm -hmm. it's on TikTok, it's on youtube it's on these places that anybody can post mm -hmm. and and that and that people are doing things because they genuinely love it not grinding auditions to be mm -hmm. able to show up in one tiny role in one tiny movie mm -hmm. that really won't be of that much help to your acting or creative career yeah why not spend those 20 hours a week making your own YouTube channel on mm -hmm. painting snail shells, like whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Like it can't be a worse use of time than grinding all those auditions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you are creating your own brand, right? Yeah. Like instead of you get like a small part, you get a one or two lines, you yeah. make a movie, but you won't we'll make you. Honestly, no. You know, you, you get that part, a small part, you're going to move on to the next yeah. job. The part of being an actor is yeah. constantly being employed, unemployed. But yeah, I think yeah. nowadays, content creator, you create your own brand. You don't yeah. have to worry about, oh, employed, unemployed, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're making... Well, you might have to worry about it, but you don't yeah. have a choice. You're going to yeah. have to worry about it. You just it. have to like look at yeah. a big picture. So, okay. Uh, Jesse, I have another question to ask you about sure. this since we're almost done the end yep. of the show. So what what is the thing you most you miss most about China? Oh, so. oh my god. I miss I miss all my friends. Because I didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. I wasn't Aww. planning on moving here. Like I right. I left to come back to the United States on a nine day vacation and COVID hit while I was in midair. Mm -hmm. So uh everybody like, you know, I didn't get to say goodbye to everybody. I had to close my comedy club. Like, oh. you know, I had to fire all my employees. I had to shut down everything I was doing in my, my whole life, basically. Wow. And I thought it would be for a couple months, but it's been three years. Yeah. So now it's so long that even if I go back, it's not like it's there. Like, my club is closed. My apartment's gone. The, what I have left is my friends. So yeah. I, and I, And so I miss my friends, and I'm definitely going to be able to... You know, even the little things of like, you know, hanging out at the comedy club before the show or after the show or being backstage when everybody wow. else is performing. Like I miss I miss that stuff a lot. Wow. It was very different than here where I'm backstage, but I don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. 
and being backstage there is like, oh, I know all these people. So we came a, up together. You yeah, know, so. you had to rebuild your network here in LA, right? Yeah. So yeah. I've been working. I've been working on that, but I think you know, it's you know, the if I go back, what I'm what I miss most is the I, what I miss most is my friends. I would say, mm. yeah. So my friends. How and about my, your comedy club? I miss my <laughs> club so much, but I will tell you that. As much as I do miss my club, another part of me is happy that I don't need to deal with it anymore mm -hmm. because it was so much work mm -hmm. and we never really made that much money. It was so much work. It was uh, it was very stressful. I didn't have a business partner at 25 years old. So you're doing that on your own? I'm at 25 100%. years old, out of my checking account, paying rent for a, for a courtyard in Beijing by myself, no investors. <gasps> Every month we need to make the tickets back or else we, or else I'm losing my money from my savings. Wow. It was like really intense. That and is so, a big risk you're taking. It here, was a right? big risk, but I had to do it because there uh -huh. were no Western comedy clubs in China. So if we wanted to do good stand-up comedy, in 2016, when I opened the club, there was nowhere to do it. You had mm -hmm. to be in a bar or you had to rent a full theater. Mm -hmm. If you rent a full theater, you need to submit your scripts. Mm -hmm. So if you submit your scripts, half of the jokes that we'd be wanting to do in an underground comedy club, we can't do. And uh -huh. so if we and so I was like, if I want to do comedy the way I want to do it, I basically need to own the club. And so I didn't own the building, but I rented the thing and I had to hire employees and you know, the the uh, air conditioner breaks, I have to replace it. And if anybody wow. smashes a bottle, I have to clean it up. And, you know, it was it was a lot of responsibility at a young yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, you were like in your 20s, I was 25 right? when that, I started the club. That was so. really bold. You're like an yeah. entrepreneur. And especially yeah. you're like a foreigner in Beijing, right? Oh, and that was the other thing was that yeah. as a foreigner in Beijing, as a foreigner in China... You're, you're treated differently. I think a lot of Chinese people think it's like positive treatment. You get better treatment in some ways and worse treatment in others. Uh -huh. um, but one of the worst treatment parts is if you're doing something sensitive, mm -hmm. like, you know, like the club was done if we had any issues. Mm. And ironically, I was less worried about political issues and more worried that our neighbors, because we lived in the hutongs in the little alleyways in, in uh in Beijing, where it's very densely packed, old city, lots of neighbors on each other all the time. Sounds old, really fun. Old though. aunties, like you know, <laughs> we would have like these aunties just kind of like peer into the club and see what was going on, <laughs> even though it was like it's our it's our courtyard, but the the barriers about which doors you can go in and which doors you can't are a little bit fuzzy in the hutongs. And so the, like our old lady neighbors would just like walk in and kind of like figure out what was going on. So and, do like, uh, I, I was worried that they would report us for noise. Really? That was what I thought would kill the club. It's uh -huh. like, after all, everybody was like trying to communist. I'm like, I am far more worried about, you know, Lao Ai, whatever, Liu Ai, just complaining that the noise uh -huh. was too bad. We had one of the neighbors who had, um, had an adult son with uh, mental disabilities, mm -hmm. and he was uh, he was very unstable. You didn't know what he would do. He would yell at people. He might shout. He might push people. And I was always terrified that mm -hmm. this neighbor's kid, um, who was like whatever, a 35, 40 year old man, mm -hmm. um, if he, if not all of our guests know about this man and know that he has mental challenges and he's a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And like, if any drunk foreigner gets into a fight with the neighbor, yeah. then we're out. Like, it doesn't matter who was right. It doesn't matter what was going on. It's like, no, they're, they're definitely going to protect the, the mentally disabled neighbor over oh. the whole comedy club. That's a hundred percent sure. So that was what I was worried about. Oh, and wow. so even though I miss my club, I'm, I do not miss not worrying about 
that every night. That sounds very stressful. 365 nights a year. Yeah. <laughs> forever. But, but like, do you guys, did you guys like have very good business though? Mm. Like, you know. It was a great place. We were not a great business, but part of that was, part of that was the nature of doing comedy in China. <laughs> like the tickets are cheaper there. Um, and the rent is more expensive mm -hmm. and Chinese people don't buy drinks. So the, oh, so the so problem is we sold drinks. They just wouldn't buy them. We so, put, we tried everything, believe me. Cause in here, all the clubs make their money from yeah, selling two alcohol, drinks medium, two drink yeah. minimum. We tried that. Nobody came. They were like culturally offended. They're like, you really? know, they're like, you know, why they're like, if I want to buy something, I'll buy it. Why are you forcing me to buy it? Like, you know, then we did a more expensive ticket that came with a free drink. Okay. Um, and then we found half the people didn't take their free drink. And half the people that took their free drink took bottled water. They still didn't want to drink alcohol. Are you serious? Because Chinese love drinking. They、though. love drinking, but they love drinking with meals. Oh, okay. So it, and, and so a lot of people, I think their plan was, let's go to the comedy show and then we'll go out for a late dinner and drink. Okay. And so, so and, they just watch the show. They just come to watch the show. They would they come to watch the show. They don't and, care about I mean, now, some people would buy drinks. Like,、right. if show, let's say we sold 50 tickets to Chinese audience for a Chinese show, we might sell like, you know, 15 drinks. If we sold 50 tickets for the English stand up show, which was mostly、mm -hmm. expats and foreigners that came, we would sell 60 or 70 drinks. So、mm -hmm. we would sell way more drinks. So it was, it was hard to make a living that way. And then the other reason it was hard to make a living is just because if we got too big, we would attract more attention.、Mm -hmm. If we attract more attention, that can be a problem. You mean so, for Chinese government? Yeah, government or even just like、uh, the neighbors or whatever.、Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if we, like, you know, we, we only did one show a night, like, could we have、mm -hmm. figured out a way to have an early show, a middle show, and a late show and run that place four or five, six hours a night? Probably, but I was like, if I do that for a year, for two years, for three years, our neighbors are going to get pissed.、Mm -hmm. If we have one show a night and it's two hours and they're in and they're out by 9 30, and like, you know, that was what I was worried about、yeah. is like, so in those situations, you really can't run a very good comedy club if you can only do one show yeah, a night. Yeah, exactly. You have to do multiple、yeah. shows in order yeah, to get、exactly. the business going, right?、Exactly. Also, like, no drinks, like, they don't buy drinks. Yeah, so, but, but we、stressful. did, yeah, but we did、uh, run an improv comedy school out of the theater. So that made money and that kept everything open. And so we held comedy classes, stand up classes. We brought in master teachers from,、uh, from the United States, from Upright Citizens Brigade、mm -hmm. in Second City, and we would bring them in to teach、mm -hmm. uh, in China. And so all of that together, we, we made a little bit of money, not enough, to, not enough for the amount of work that we put in. But I didn't do it for the money. You know, like, You're the, doing it for your passion. I was doing it because it was like, how、yeah. baller would it be to run a comedy club in、that、Beijing? That is pretty baller. You're in your tour. <laughs> Yeah. You run a comedy club in、yeah. like in China. So I feel,、American. yeah, and so it's、yeah. it's been it was a great experience, but it also I think has left me a little bit、um, in a different reality than L.A. because like I'm used to running the club, and here I come in and I know nobody. So it's like, it's a real. Hey, you know what? Real, if you、yeah. can run club in China, you can run club here, right? Probably. I'm a citizen you know? here. It, can, it couldn't be harder than in China, but and then, it's expensive. And you, but, yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, like, plus, I think there, there are more like flexibilities. Like, run with I think it could be. I'd really well, like、right? to. I also run a tea company now. So I've been thinking about maybe making like a real Chinese style chaguar, like the tea house. And,、mm, tea and house the, traditional, the traditional comedy shows, the xiangsheng, are all performed at tea houses.、Mm. So I was thinking like having like a real show that, of course, you don't need to only do Chinese comedy there in America, but you could do some Chinese shows. You could have some 
American stand-up, improv, you know, whatever, one-man yeah. show type thing, cultural events, like you know, theater. company party type yeah. things, you know. So totally. uh, if you made, like, a really authentic-looking Chinese, like, tea house in America, I think it would be really cool. But um, every time I think of doing that, I remember how exhausted I was running my tiny comedy club. In and I'm Beijing? like, and I, and I think, and the big lesson I took away is if I do that, I need a partner. Like, I'm not going to do it alone. Like yeah, last time. I think absolutely you need to talk about it. It's a lot. I mean, running a business, it's lots of work, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think LA do have this kind of climate in, environmental because it's so diverse. And then you can totally do that. All right. So yeah. we're almost ending this. So, Jess, sure. another question. Um, so you lived in Beijing for mm. almost 10 years, right? Come back to LA. Yep. What What is the difference dating in Beijing uh, compared to dating in LA? Everyone said dating in LA is like an American uh, horror story, right? Yeah, okay, so, I haven't had good experiences All right, so, what, so what, which city do you think it's easier, Beijing or LA? What's the difference? It was much easier to get first dates in Beijing. I don't know whether either is easier for finding like good dates. Because I got all my dates in Beijing from the apps. Because there are billions of people. Well, there's a lot of people. Also, for me, as, like, an American, like, I look different. Like, people who are interested in something Mm -hmm. different, like, are already more interested in swiping right. Just because they see, you know, all the Chinese guys will look the same. And then there's one foreigner on the Chinese app or whatever. And then they might be... And plus, you run a comedy club. You're bored. I had an interesting job. You were a So, yeah, yeah. So, but but the problem was is that all the women that would swipe right, every date was the same. They would swipe right. We'd go get, like, a drink or whatever. And then they would spend the whole day date completely complaining about how some like Dutch person had like treated them badly in a past relationship. What? They would just they would say like I like part of them must have been attracted to foreigners because they swiped right on me but another part of them was very frustrated at all the other foreigners they had dated and they just wanted to tell me all the bad stories they had about dating other foreigners. Um, And so I was like, this is kind of awkward. I'm like, I'm not related to that Dutch guy at all. Like there's (laughs) not like it has nothing to do with me in the same sense that you have nothing to do with any ex that I had before. But they thought it had something to do with me. It's the same, right? Okay, pretty much the same type of person. There were also ways of like flirting that were... I, I culturally I knew they were flirting, but I was not on board with how they were doing it. What do you mean by that? Like there was one woman who we were having again, first date, first date. She's like, well, if we were in my province, like the man would have to give 500,000 renminbi as a dowry, you know, it's highly, you know, in order to, in order to marry me. And, And then she was like, how much would you give? And I'm like, on the first date, I was the first date. I was like, I mean, like, I'm trying to find a way to say, like, honestly, nothing. <laughs> like, I would not. I would, but, like, for two reasons. One, because I don't think I should be paying a dowry, period. I don't think that's healthy. And two, because I don't want to pay any. <laughs> like, on the first date? I thought it was. And so this is the other challenge is, like, this is a funny story. But, like, I didn't, like, you know, I don't know because I'm not from there. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how weird was that? I knew it was weird. But mm-hmm. I didn't know how weird it was. Mm-hmm. Like, do I go on a hundred dates before I get asked this question again, or is this every <laughs> third or fourth date? Wow. I have to deal with the dowry question. So. So basically, yeah. you didn't have good experience dating in China. The or best. Just, yeah. I mean, ironically, the 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 longest relationship I had in China was with a uh, Estonian girl from Europe. So mm-hmm. it was funny because we were both we both spoke English, we both spoke Chinese, um, okay. and so that was. 
it kind of worked. That was the longest relationship I had was actually not with a Chinese person. So mm. I don't know. But there was also other elements that now I think I'm more over. But in when I was in my early 20s, I was much more like uh worried about because there's a lot of stigma for like white guys going there's like a lot of people are, oh you must have moved here to date asian women right and oh. i'm like oh my god it made me so uncomfortable yeah it is things that i, can I would uncomfortable i would go about that. i mean i would like go out on the street with like if i had a chinese friend of mine who was a girl mm-hmm. and we we're the same age and we we're just walking on the street together like you see how people look at you as a couple and then you know even though we weren't a couple People would be, you know, either judgy or not judge. It was like an additional element I did not want to have to think about. And it made, it was upsetting because it was like, I I was working so hard to try to build up Chinese comedy and do all this stuff and make people laugh. And to have this idea that like the reason I would have moved to China would be to like creep on women. Yeah. It's like, I'm like really like it, it hurt a lot. And for a while I didn't date Chinese women because mm-hmm. of that problem. I would just be like, I'm not going to date any local, local girls because I don't want to be judged that way. Yeah. Nowadays I think I'm a little older and I'm like, well, fuck them if they're going to like, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but, but in that time it was mm-hmm. harder. And I think that that same thing has come back in the States because mm-hmm. it's so much of a thing, especially not less in the Asian community, but more in the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. The this question of like or the or the white pe white men dating Asian women, mm. power imbalance, sort of what's going on here and like it's all kind of come back again here, but here right. now it's not the Asians, it's the Asian Americans. Huh. The actual Chinese people living here don't seem to have any issue with it. Okay. It's the Asian American people that seem to have an issue with it wow that's interesting. <laughs> but you know who so knows? like what what is like dating here in la you, you said it's awful for you as well, well right? i would say awful is a big <laughs> word it hasn't been fun i i just i think it's it's hard to meet up with your your real friends in la mm-hmm. like i have like i have a couple people that i'm like friends with here and i feel like i can barely see them once a month mm-hmm. so like the everything's so spread out yeah um and uh and uh, I also had to learn, I changed, maybe, I, maybe I'm right. You tell me whether I'm right. Mm-hmm. I changed my dating app profile to stop saying I'm a comedian and only say I run a tea company. Mm-hmm. Because I had people on the dating app tell me when they see comedian, they read unemployed and no help. And I'm going <laughs> to have to pay for this man as he figures out how to do comedy. I had one girl literally tell me like, wow, this is so fascinating, but... I have a big job. I'm not going to be paying for you to do Chinese comedy. I'm like, you don't need to pay for me to do Chinese comedy. Like, I'm professional at this. Like, yeah, and you are doing pretty well. In, I'm doing fine. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, you are also like a businessman as well. Yeah, like, but I'm like smart, that, yeah. that that um that like. But I think it's just that, just you because the thing is, I I understand where she came from because yeah, you know, like. Like a lot, every comedian yeah. is like you, because you, you actually they most because comedy world doesn't yeah. pay very well. Yeah, either yeah, you're yeah. on the top or the bottom. So I mean, lots of even I mean, comedian even on the tour they don't get yeah. paid very well. And then not every comedian just run business like you. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. maybe lots of like. You I understand what they're where they're coming yeah. from, but it it just sucked because it was like I'm very proud of all the work I did in my comedy and running my club and being in China and doing all this mm-hmm. stuff, and it just sucked to say like. But that's too complicated for... It's not too complicated for the people. It's too complicated for the apps. The mm-hmm. apps are not made for unusual people. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's made to, like, look fucking hot. And then, <laughs> like, and then like be, like, 
quirky enough at answering a couple prompts that people think, well, mm -hmm. I'm not going to get like, you know, yeah. attacked on this date. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things well, you'll get a million matches. <laughs> and if you don't do those things well, or you're just a little confusing, like I started out previously, I was like, I lived in China nine years. Now I'm new to LA. Nobody wants to deal with that. And so I just said, like, I run a tea company and, um, you know, I like, uh, you know, I like, you know, I like tea and, and I've gotten way more likes since I removed the comedian thing <laughs> since I then, you know, um, also I think lots of people don't want dating comedians cause like it's sort of like here in States, like lots of comedians associated with the people think of comedians are self-deprecated because also like lots of them suffer like depression. Yeah. Like a but it's funny. Issue people say they don't want dating comedians, but every single woman on the apps, what do you want? Funny, funny, funny. Make me laugh. Make me laugh. Make me laugh. <laughs> no, they want you to be a funny businessman, but yeah, not yeah. They want to be a funny a, rich person or something like that. That's yeah. you're you're I think you're a hundred percent correct. And so yeah. you know don't do that as your full time job. So yeah, basically. we'll see. We'll see what that is. Luckily it's you know, even when I was doing comedy like, you know, full time professionally in China only comedy, it still isn't really a full time job in that sense. Like it's always a little bit flexible. You have more times you're working, you have sometimes mm -hmm. you're working less and so um, the, the, I, I, I love that. That was the other thing you said, what did I miss about China? I miss that mm -hmm. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, once the vaccine came out, I could kind of get that lifestyle back. And now that I run my tea company and I do the comedy, I, I have that lifestyle here where I can choose what to do with my time. Mm -hmm. And if I like a project, I do more of it. If I don't like a project, mm -hmm. I stop it. You know, that was the other thing I missed. Whereas in 2020, I was like in my parents' house applying for visas every day and like not going outside mm -hmm. and not doing shows and just getting frustrated. So mm -hmm. things are be better now than they were in 2020, that's for sure. You know, I think <laughs> you may do better if you're just doing comedy. I think like on dating apps, people may don't like, they, they may not like the, the uh, male comedian sets like in the profession. Mm. But like I heard lots of my male comedian friends told me they are so easy to get girls. Really? Yeah. Who are these like, people? Everybody says this. Like, that was, that was the other like thing. Is in, the, in the comedy world, we all know is like those male comics. So, like, they can't always hook up with the girls so easy. Maybe, maybe just a hook I up. I need to learn that. Maybe just hook I'm up. I'm okay with that. That's yeah. cool. Like, I need to learn how to do that. Like, you know, to be fair, I am looking for somebody long term. But I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. you know. I need to figure this out. I also, I think that was also part of the challenge. I was never like a hookup guy anywhere. Yeah. I didn't really do that. So like it was, um. Yeah, not like a fuck boy type. Like, no, you know, do I like, look like a fuck boy? Yeah. Oh my God. I think that's also the thing. Like okay. like when the, when the, like when the male comics are doing the show and then the, the constant told me, said, oh my God, those girls were hit, hit on them, this and that. I'm like, I've seen that a lot as well. Yeah. But like male, female comic is a different because yeah. male comics get lots of girls. That's funny. Yeah. Which is ironic because I'm looking for a funny woman and and yet nobody's like telling that nobody's <laughs> putting comedian on their dating app profile. Maybe the women think that the men don't want funny women. Yeah, that's that's true though because like, you know, lots of female comics say they, lots of female comics don't date male comics because it's like a competition. Who is funnier? Yeah, you don't want to get into that. <laughs> I did, I mean, one of my, again, one of my exes did improv but they were like a professional improv performer. Mm -hmm. they, they were not interested in being a professional performer. So, but I think that the comedians, I mean, really one of the things I keep thinking is I want somebody who thinks fast mm -hmm. and comedians think fast. Yeah. You have to think fast. And yeah. like, you know, even if you're preparing a script, 
you have to go from A to B to C to D. Like, you know, you have to figure out where you're going. Yeah, exactly. So Our like, mindset is totally just like, my like, you know, going. there's definitely, you know, bad dates I've been on, which is like, it's not really any fault, but just we're not running at the same speed. Like my brain <laughs> is moving like this and their brain is moving like that. And oh my gosh, I totally you know, understand you know what, what I mean. Yeah. Like those people are like, oh, let's, you know, take it a step. Dude, I'm Dude, moving Come on, let's go. Okay. Let's yeah, go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. That's like, that's a, a comic because that's our problem. We think fast. Exactly. Yeah. Because those people are so slow. I'm like, okay, you cannot catch up with me. Okay, bye. Yeah, Adios. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or, or like, you know, the, yeah. like, the scariest thing for me is people that like either they just don't move at that speed or they don't have any opinions. Mm -hmm. And like comedians always have opinions, even if they're wrong, even if they're horrible opinions, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like comedians always have opinions. Yeah. And like, it's like the, the worst conversations are like, you know, what do you mm -hmm. think about that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Like, oh, this is Yeah. Comedians boring. have way too many opinions. Yeah. All right. So, Jess, this yes. is the end of the podcast. Thank you for being here. Yep. And Thanks so much. Do you have anything to plug? Oh yeah. Um, so if you're, uh, if you're interested in following, you can check out my Instagram is at what she said, like chairman Xi Jinping, what <laughs> X I said. Um, and also you can check out my tea stuff as well. Jesse's tea house. Uh, look up Jesse's tea house. Cause if you want really some of the best tea you can get in the United States from China, um, like while I was doing comedy all those years, I also started uh, like becoming a big tea drinker. And so I have like tea farmer friends and tea shop friends in China. I ship it over to the States and you can get it anywhere in the world. Uh, so yeah, so Jesse's Tea House, check any of your uh, social media for it. You'll find it. That's cool, Jesse. He's mm. more than just a comedian. Yeah. All right. Catch him in the car.